Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola mis remarcables, yo soy Pal Charles y esto es Vive Remarkable con una edición súper especial por el mes de la herencia latina. En los siguientes episodios conocerás las más inspiradoras historias remarcables de latinas que están siendo las heroínas de sus propias vidas, creándose las mejores oportunidades derribando un miedo a la vez. Todos tenemos una historia que contar e inspirar a crear un mundo mejor. Quédate en este episodio de Vive Remarkable. Until the mind is open, the heart stays closed. The open mind is the key to the open heart. Byron Katie. Hello, my Remarkables. This is Pal Charles, and I welcome you to this new season of Historias Remarkables, where my friends will inspire you with their incredible experiences and will share their life hacks that will help you save your time and not to make to commit their same mistakes. The only thing we want is to help you raise your best potential. Today we're going to have another special episode. Yes! I wonder if you ever feel responsible for your family or someone when you were a child. Hmm, how does it feel? Can you remember? When we have a big trauma that impacts our life, we close our minds and hearts. We uncover these tragic situations and deny ourselves the freedom of a happy life. Hypnosis healed her. She's passionate about helping people move through their own transformational journey. Nicole Hernandez, the traveling hypnotist, agrees that you can't outperform your identity and the hypnosis allows you to work with 95% of your mind that controls your thoughts, behaviors, and habits. When you go within, you can go beyond your unconscious trap. Pretty interesting, right? Nicole is a double certified hypnotist, bachelor's of arts in psychology and a master in journalism. She owns several fitness certifications, neurolinguistic programming and coaching studies. And due to her mother's mental illness, she has spent her adult life researching the mind, body and subconscious beliefs. And if it was not enough, Nicole Hernandez is a proud Latina also the successful creator and host of the Dating Kind podcast, who wants to inspire entrepreneurs on a mission to realize their own magnificence. And today she is here to demystify that hypnosis is not obvious and have a great result in people's life. Pretty interesting. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Vivian Remarkable, my dear Nicole. I am super, super excited and grateful that you are here with us. I really I love Invite <laughs> Woman. Yes, I know that you are so, so, <laughs> so excited also. And well, how are you? Tell me, how are you? <laughs> I'm so amazing and thank you for having me here. And thank you for allowing me to come on and talk about how Hypnosis is not BS. I love that you said that. It's such a great way to start off. Yes, right. It's pretty interesting. Also, you know, that I read this on your website and yeah. I said, what? I really need to know more about this. And let's start this remarkable interview right now. Okay. So.
So I choose a quote for you because I always love that all my guests start thinking, meditating about remarkable things. So let's start. You have to free your mind to do things you wouldn't think of doing. Don't ever say no. Carl Lewis, what do you think about this? Yeah, so I think that's exactly right, right? We mostly get in our way. I think that's the problem for most of us is that it's actually our mindset, our beliefs, our identity that gets in our way. And as you said in the intro, we can't outperform our, our identity. So until we actually work with that part of ourselves and uh, maybe shift into the person that we know is possible for us, then we will actually set ourselves free. That's pretty interesting. And tell me something, because you are like a very creative entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. How do people, yeah, how do people around you would describe what you do? People, okay, so I have to tell this story because when I first told my father and I, that I was becoming a hypnotist, he was like, what the heck is, are you doing that for? Kind of had the same reaction as you do and most people do. It's like, what? this sounds like too loosey-goosey, woo-woo, BS. And the thing is, is that I never do anything without really researching. So um, I was very, you know, hesitant to try hypnosis myself, had the same concepts and ideas about it, and then started to do the research, tried it for myself, and it really worked. But people would say that I am definitely a creative, I'm imaginative, um, that I am determined. I think that that would be some of the adjectives that they would use, and very intuitive. I actually have like a weird sense of intuition um, where people kind of get a little freaked out sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's incredible to hear that. I wonder, I don't know if, I don't know if you love to, you know, to, to play with the tarot cards. <laughs> I do have tarot cards. Um, I mean, I have them, but I don't really need them. I just have um, dreams and sometimes people just kind of show up almost in my head. And then if I call them or I reach out to them, they're like, that was so weird. Something has been happening to me. How did you know? <laughs> so oh my God. It's just like a... Tú eres una bruja. Like a, you are a witch. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a witch and a hypnotist. So go... I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yes. And that's pretty interesting because you have to tell me what kinds of myths are there about what you do? A Latina who hypnotizes people? <laughs> How is I that? <laughs> so there's a lot of myths around hypnosis and you know this all came about from the theater from Hollywood um, creating this idea that hypnosis is is a way of mind control you know we've you might have seen that movie get out where the poor guy is sitting in his chair and his future you know mother-in-law perhaps is 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 a hyp hypnotist and she you know, she puts him into the chair and then he's sinking in and then bad things happen. And it's always, you get a hypnotist involved and bad things happen, which is actually not true at all. Hypnosis is, is in my practice, it is not about mind control as a certified hypnotist or a hypnotherapist. Now you might've been acquainted with uh, someone who is a hypnotist that does it for stage performance, right? They're an entertainer, they're a mentalist. And in their practice, they're 
hypnotizing people for fun, right? It's all about making somebody cluck like a chicken or making a football player dance like a ballerina. And essentially, it's not that they have mind control over those, over those people. It's that when you are in a hypnotic state, you are not as critical. So you are more relaxed. Imagine it's like, it's like your brain had five cocktails, right? So that part of you that maybe be, would be afraid to sing in front of everyone, after you have five cocktails, you're like, yeah, you know, dancing on top of the table. It just, it's a total release of your inhibitions. And I think that's really a better sense of it. That gives you a better picture of the idea of mind control. A couple of other things that people think about hypnosis is that you're asleep. That's actually the biggest, one of the biggest ones that I get. Am I going to be asleep? Or I didn't fall asleep after my, after my session. And I'm like, you were never supposed to fall asleep. That wasn't the idea. So think of it, the experience that people have is very different. Like sometimes we can have a conversational, we can have a conversation and that's hypnosis, right? But we can actually travel from this waking state, which is in our minds, like we are actually, we have beta um, wave frequencies that we're producing right now because we're awake, we're thinking, we're, our mind is very critical. And then imagine as you go into a meditative state, say you're sitting down for meditation, your whole body starts to relax, your parasympathetic nervous system starts to activate and you calm down. And in that, your brain produces the alpha waves. And then right before you go to sleep, you're in theta. So your whole body is starting to work with you. It's starting to heal. Um, naturally, you're starting to just kind of regenerate. And that is the deepest level of hypnosis. So you've got quite a bit of range. But the idea is when we're in that theta state, what feels like you're about to fall asleep, or maybe you feel like you're dozing off because you're so relaxed, it's often an assumed that people are asleep and in fact they're not. Usually I'm talking to a client as we're going through a session, even with their eyes closed. Wow. And what about those people, well, as you mentioned, you know, all these movies and all these influence, bad influence about what this really thing is. Uh -huh. um, when the person is like with, with one touch, can you hypnotize someone? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually can. But so with those kind of a stage hypnosis um, environment, they are doing all of these tests to see where you fall on this on the scale of um, being hypnotizable. And it's not that you we aren't all hypnotizable, but like some of us are more suggestible. Um, we're more imaginative this is actually a better way to say it. We're more imaginative than others. So they've actually done research. Stanford University Medical School did research on this, and they found that people that were um, most suggestible, the most hypnotizable, actually were children whose parents read to them. So when they were reading those books to them, they were able to create these visions in their mind of what was happening in the story. And that they started to develop that early childhood 
um, un understanding of creating this imagine imaginative worlds in their mind. Also, people that had trauma as a child learned to de disconnect from their reality and often went into their, um, you know, their mindset. So those people are also more hypnotizable than others. Really wow. interesting. Yeah, 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 really interesting because I was going to ask you that because I was talking with my husband, hey, Lou, today I'm going to interview this a therapist and I guess that this is something cool. And he said, no, but you know what? I don't think that I, I am that kind of people that I'm going to be, you know, hypnotized. And that, that question is really interesting. Yeah. Right. Because all the people, maybe they say, yes, I want to try this, but what's happened or how do I know that I've been hypnotized or not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so it's a different feeling for everyone. And that's actually why there's so many like people, people will go through it. And sometimes they don't think that they've been hypnotized because again, they have this idea and this concept, that they're going to fall asleep and that's not it. So you might feel hypnotized and your hypno hypnosis will feel like a meditation. Some other people might go into hypnosis and they'll see visions or they'll feel feelings in their body. I, you know, I've, I've done sessions and we, we kind of talked about it on Instagram and this woman had uh, sensations of, um, of like, she just felt things in her hands. She felt this um, kind of energy in her body. And so people feel different things. It really just depends on you. Mm, that's pretty interesting yes yeah. that's pretty interesting because it's the same way that they said that we learn in a different ways i suppose that people feel in a different ways right exactly mm -hmm. that's correct because right we have auditory mm -hmm. um your kinesthetic or your visual and so many of us have multiple of those and so you will experience things in different ways Pretty cool. And tell me something, because you mentioned something that when you give this news to your father, that you're going to change your career, right? Yes. He said, what? Okay. Tell me, what has been or is the most difficult part of becoming the traveling hypnotist? That's it. That is actually it. Because I came from a very... Um, scholarly background, you know, going to graduate school and then moving to New York City, working in corporate America. I opened hotels around the world and I've had a very corporate lifestyle, right? Walking into an office, doing the big presentations and um, to change directions, which feels like a very drastic um, switch for a lot of people. They're like, what? is going on with her <laughs> and what did make you decide to switch your careers because it was so life-changing for me um it was it was the thing this is the thing that has gotten me to where i've always wanted to be and i have tried everything else i've done tony robbins and gone to the conferences i've had a therapist i paid you know, almost $20,000 for a life coach one year. Like, to, you know, I've done all of those things to try to get to this place of feeling like I was okay with myself. Like I was comfortable in my own skin. And it was hypnosis that actually got me there. And I thought, if this has been so powerful for me and I've tried everything else, there has to be someone else out there that's 
will have the same experience as me and they will finally feel like they're healed and they can actually feel like they're able to thrive in their life because of this. Wow. Tell me something because I know we see you and I see that you are a remarkable woman. You are a great professional that you are developing this, uh, this new career, but I really want to know what was the domino piece <laughs> that you start thinking that, you know what, I really deserve to live the life that I really want. I read in your website that you mentioned something about being raised in a survival mode. Mm -hmm. Because when you were seven years old, you feel responsible for your family, especially for your mom. Yes. Can you please tell us how is this story and how that part of your life influenced in the life that you are having now? Yeah. So, you know, when I was young, um, my mom started to experience a lot of depression. And, and even when I was gosh, I was probably like five, six or seven years old around that age. And I remember they put her in the hospital for two weeks and my dad took care of us. And I vividly remember him braiding my hair, like, you know, a dad, like learning to braid his daughter's hair. And it, we went through that for many, multiple times. My mom was so depressed um, that she wanted to take her own life. She wanted to commit suicide and they, and she would go to the hospital. And so over time, my parents got a divorce. It was too much for their relationship. Um, you know, many people that encounter mental illness, you know, may have issues in their relationships if you don't have a partner that's really supportive and, or really understand it understands it. Um, I think Latinos especially um, have had a real problem with embracing um, mental illness as a real illness. You know, it's like, oh, it's in your head. You'll get over it. You have too much time on your hands. Don't get, yes. you know, have yes, a real problem. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but people really do have, you know, real mental illnesses in, and it is something that has to be dealt with. And and anyway, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to go off that tangent because I'll go on it for a while. <laughs> but, I know, you know, I know, because like, it's a it's a really it's a really important topic that we it, need to share, but also it's very sensitive. It is. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. But you know, I grew up in a household where um, I felt very responsible for my mother. Once they once they did get a divorce, it was me and my brother, and there were still she had these episodes of where she really couldn't function, and I was responsible for making sure that my brother was okay. I was always checking on her because I was always worried that she was going to take her life. And um, I was the one that had to make everybody happy, which means that I had to grow up really fast. So some of that joy that we get to experience as a child, I feel like I locked it away so that I could kind of take care of everybody else and be there for everyone else. And so it was like, everything had to be perfect. I needed to make good grades. I needed to make my family happy all the time. So my life wasn't about living it for me. It was how do I make sure that everyone else is good? And, and I lived like that for a really long time. And it, it, that pattern carried through into adulthood. Um, 
you know, after college and then going, moving into New York City, and then it was going into relationships and then how do I make sure they're happy, not me? You know, like, what am I doing to make sure they're okay, not am I happy in this? And so it was just like one of those awful patterns that unless you really look at and you start to parse apart that you don't really understand what's happening. Hypnosis helped me in, and it started off where um, I was having so much anxiety because, you know, things had to be so perfect. And as I started escalating in my career, I had really awful panic attacks. Um, I had awful bouts of gastritis where my stomach would just get really bloated. Sometimes I wouldn't be able to eat. Um, I would be really sick. And then the last time, because it, it always seems to get worse until you really take care of it, right? My hair started falling out too. And so I had like this big bald spot on the back of my head, which I didn't even see, but I can tell there was hair like all over the place in my apartment. And that was the final straw for me. And so, you know, I had been skeptical of hypnosis before that, but I had also tried within that span of time, had tried a workshop and had gone to it and had seen a hypnotist um, for a private session. And I said, you know what, for whatever reason, and I told you early, my intuition is pretty strong. And so my intuition has started to talk to me again at this point. And it said, try this. And so I did. And like many people start off with this, they go onto YouTube and they're listening to these self-hypnosis recordings. And I was doing that every day to try to help my stomach. And eventually it was hypnosis and I stopped drinking caffeine because that was really amping up my anxiety. And um, I made a few food choices, changes in that. And I fixed, I mean, I fixed it. I have not had a problem with gastritis since that time. But that took me deeper. That took me into going into hypnosis and really working on not just the surface, which was that anxiety, but getting into that place of working through those issues that I had with my mother, that weight of responsibility, that feeling that I couldn't really be myself. And there was a session that I had um, where it literally felt like I had unlocked a door where I had stashed away my younger self and finally released her out into the world. It was like a reclaiming of your younger self. And I cried for two hours at least because it was such an emotional experience. And the thing is, is that, you know, we all have stories that live within us. And until we actually unravel those stories or change those stories, everything stays the same. And so in that moment of that unlocking and allowing that part of me to be reclaimed, it changed my brain is essentially what it did. It changed my brain. It changed the neural pathways in my brain that were telling me that I wasn't enough. Wow. They are really powerful words. Really. So can you be certain that when we use this kind of technique, we can heal, uh, heal the intergenerational trauma and unproductive beliefs? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we definitely can. Um, and I think 
you have to be open to it too, but the work works really fast. So when I have people come in, I ask them, what is it that you want to change today? Because I truly do believe that we can make change as quickly as we created a pain. You know, sometimes we have something that happens to us. It can be a traumatic experience. It could just be all of a sudden now we have a fear of snakes or whatever that is. And in that moment, we created this story that the snake was bad, for example, right? The snake is bad and I'm really afraid of snakes. But in working through hypnosis, we can also undo that story in one session. You know, no, I'm not promising one session, but mm -hmm. it can happen. Mm -hmm. So we can create that change very quickly because we, what we are essentially doing is just as you would over 28 days or 20, you know, you've heard you can recreate the pattern or recreate your habit in 28 days. Well, we are essentially shrinking down that time of that 21, 28 days. There's all different sayings about this. Some people say 40 days. You can shrink down that time into an hour or sometimes two hours and recreate all of those neural pathways that are keeping you in that habit loop in a shorter amount of time. Like that's the most scientific way to look at it. So while it may seem super woo-woo, it's really about taking all of that information that your brain would normally require 40, 21, whatever days and shrinking it down into an hour or two. Wow. It looks like it's pretty technical, but, but easy to do, <laughs> but easy to do really. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. Tell me something. Um, which do you think is the most common reason why people fail or stop believing in their projects? Oh, there's so many, um, a couple of things when I think of entrepreneurs specifically, um, because that's, you know, where I've been and I think becoming an entrepreneur is probably one of the hardest things to go through. And it was, it's what led me here of the most healing because there's no one else to blame except for yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, but the hardest part or where people really fail is that they assume as soon as they create a product, as soon as they turn on their website, as soon as they're done with their branding, that people actually are going to care. And that is usually where people really lose momentum. They're like, I worked so hard on all my branding, it looked great, and I put this together and I slaved for you know months on this, and now here it is, world and no one shows up or a few people show up and then they're like it didn't work no one cares no one likes it i'm a failure and so we think we're a failure but the thing is is that if you knew better if you knew that this is just the very entry point of that that there's so much more to it that it's really about understanding your client that it's really about developing those relationships with your clients talking to them getting inside their mind, figuring out what it is that they really want, speaking to them in your website and showing up consistently. And I mean consistently, like every single day or you know, at least Monday through Friday, to be with them, to talk with them, to be personal with them, that's where it starts. And it is a long journey. And I would say if you're starting anything, give yourself 18 months at least to even decide before you quit because there's so many learnings in that process along the way.
got cabin fever? It's time to unlock your mind and jet off to the feeling of your perfect beach day, relaxed and inspired. Get your free self-hypnotist audio to help you escape cabin fever at www.thetravelinghypnotist.com. Wow. I have a curiosity because you are a hypnotist. Isn't yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be easier if you hypnotize your clients. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is easier, right? Because we can get through those thoughts of failure faster. But for someone who is going through the process, for someone who has um, where they often get hung up is on feeling like they're a failure, for people to feel like they're a failure, for people, people to feel like they're rejected um, when no one shows up for them. And through hypnosis, we can help you know people work through that, of course, but that's usually where people get hung up. So if we feel like that, because of course we are as entrepreneurs, we feel mostly every day like that. Can we fix it through hypnotism? Heck yeah! Yay! <laughs> yeah, that's super great. Come on, friends, we have to try this. <laughs> What is the most important thing you have learned in your life? That's a big question. The most important thing I have learned in my life. Gosh, I have to say the most important thing I've learned is that there's no such thing as a failure. Nothing. Nothing is really a failure. Um, you know, things may not always turn out like we want them to be, but there's always a learning there. There's always growth there. And so if we stop looking at, at our lives as one failure after another, it really does change it. Shifting in that perspective to, oh, I just learned that that doesn't work and now I can do it a different way. And that is really where... Um, that's the biggest lesson, I think. And how do you deal with people's critiques? Because this is, this is really, like, really hard for Hispanic families, right? I don't mm -hmm. know why. Our culture is, we are very critiques. Well, you know, there's that saying, it's, it's, eaten, it's so much easier to be a critic than a creator. And I always take that to, to heart and remember that because most of the time the critics never even gave themselves the chance to try um, to create. And so I'm not going to take the advice or the, or the criticism of someone who never even when tried for themselves. And so um, their opinion doesn't matter because they're not even playing the same game. That's wise. <laughs> yeah, that's wise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who would who would be I'm like the... you're not even stepping up to the plate, so you don't get to have a say. Sorry, we're not even in the same space. You don't like. Okay, but what about if that you know, like a really close relationship, your mom, your dad, you know, people that you really care. What's happening if they don't agree what you are doing, and you're always receiving that that critique? How can yeah. you handle that? Well, you know, my, so my dad originally didn't, as I told you, my dad wasn't, you know, down with what I was, what I'm doing now. And the way I handled it is that I sent him information. I said, look, Stanford University is studying hypnosis. They've published many articles on it. Harvard University, Harvard Medical School has published articles on hypnosis. So if they think it's valid and there's, they have doctors studying it 
and looking at the studies and the research behind it, then I think I'm on to something here. And so I think it's just valuing your opinion over others, even if they are your, are your parents. Like if you, you have to really value what you bring to the game, you know, I mean, I'll always be right, but I, I really do now value my opinion. Yes, yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool. Tell me something. And who would be the three people who have helped you to become who you are? For sure, my mother. Like 100% my mom. And, and I know that that might sound strange for people to hear that she was in and out of the hospital, but my mom is the most loving um, person. Like for everything she may have not always been for herself, she has been for other people. So she is the one that is the biggest cheerleader for other people. She shows up for them. And um, my mom has just been unwavering in her love and her belief um, since the time I was a little girl. And then I would say it was my grandmother, her mother, her mother actually, because she really helps me develop my creativity. Like my grandmother would teach me to sew on her sewing machine. You know, we would trace out little patterns of little rabbits and things during Christmas and we would make our own orna ornaments for the tree. And she also, I think, taught me how to be an entrepreneur because she used to make all these beautiful little jewels and um, necklaces and things. And then she, one, one day she said, here's a little box of some necklaces I made. Go out, knock on the doors of people in your neighborhood and sell them. And you get to keep whatever money you get. And I was like, all right, here we go. So I went knocking on all of the doors and started selling. And I really think that that was my first, that was my first experience with becoming an entrepreneur. Like you have something, it was Christmas time, something that people want, right? And you sell. That is a beautiful story, really. That's really beautiful. Okay. And the third one, mm -hmm. that one's hard. You said three, so I'm going to yes. give you one more. Mm -hmm. But I guess I have to give that to my dad, right? Mm, it's up to you. <laughs> it's up to you. I would feel bad if I didn't give it to my dad because he, he actually really has shown up for me. Um, I did live with my dad when I was 14 and on and when my parents got a divorce. And I know that's not typical for a lot of you know uh, Latino men to, to take ownership of the family, for them to take the kids. Um, and, but he did. And, and I've always been really grateful that he has shown me what a real man looks like, that a real man shows up for his family, that a real man um, will, you know, he's sacrificed. He's gone to my games when I was a cheerleader in high school, and he showed up to my theater um, to see me act on stage. And, you know, my, fat, my dad really took the time out of his day to be there for us. And um, even when it was inconvenient. That's remarkable because there are few parents, fathers that do that for their kids. Yeah. And that's really cool. If you could return the time to that time when you battled with chronic anxiety, gastritis, and hair loss, what could you say to yourself? Well, now knowing what I know, I would, I would tell myself at that time, which I actually have, that that was just div divine intervention. That was divine intervention at that time. Because if I hadn't gone through that, it wouldn't have got me to where I am now. And 
Um, and so I think sometimes if we look at those difficult times in our lives and see what the gift is, like really ask yourself, what was the gift? Because it led you to seek something, um, maybe your own healing or to help yourself in some way, then that's, you know, a really beautiful lesson there. Totally agree. Yeah. What are you most grateful for in your life? Um, I am the most grateful. I'm the most grateful for my body. I'm the most grateful that my body works with me and that we communicate with each other. Meaning that if something is off, my body will completely tell, tell me. Um, my intuition is very super high. So when I feel my skin, my stomach respond to something or to someone, I've learned to trust it. And I think I have avoided dangerous situations because of that, because I listened to my body. My body works for me. And how does it look to talk to your body? Can you please explain? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like, um, like my stomach, like somebody, some people say they get a gut intuition, like they're, you know, they feel it in their gut. It feels like my stomach gets small. Like when it's like a feeling of shrinking in my stomach when there's a no, when there's like a hard no, when somebody asks you something and there's a hard no, or when you meet somebody and you have an instinct that there's something not quite right about them or they're their um, intention isn't, you know, positive. There's like a shrinking that happens uh, in my stomach and um, like it just almost like goosebumps on my skin. So it's just like a, my body will tell me that something's not right. It's like an alarm system. But, but this is something that you discover, I mean, in yourself or something that you practice or learn from somebody else. I think it's, it's just something I've discovered in myself. It's just noticing those sensations and paying, paying attention to them and acting on them. Because sometimes we have those sensations, but we ignore them. And it's about really trusting. And that's like the trust in your body, but the trusting um, that your body, that your body is sensing something that you don't. Because we get so much more information visually before our brains even process it. There, we get so much unconscious information that comes in. Like think about this. Our subconscious is, you know, 90 to 95% of the way our mind, our body works. Like it's all unconscious. Only 5% of our minds is 5 to 10% is conscious, conscious thought. And so your body can actually, your unconscious can work through your body by giving you those kind of signals. That's pretty cool. I really want to start practicing, really. Because most of the time, I feel something in my stomach and say, I'm hungry. <laughs> and I guess most of the people feel the same thing and they, you know, keep eating and eating and eating and maybe it's not that, right? Yeah. Maybe their body's telling you something, like you're in danger or something. Yeah. you keep eating and eating. And that's something horrible. But, but I you know, know that that's true. Mm -hmm. I like that, that you kind of picked up on that. And that's true because, and we can talk about it a little bit later, but you often feel things, right? We feel emotions and then we just start eating. 
because we um, feel uncomfortable. And sometimes we haven't really identified what that's about yet. We just think we're hungry or that we're getting those sensations that, you know, we need to eat. And you're right. Yeah, so, yeah yes. No, yeah. And, you know, and most of the doctors said, oh, if you feel like that, just drink a cup, you know, a cup of water. But even if you drink a cup of water, you don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And that will make you go, you know, after sweets or whatever you like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know that we're going to, to talk more about this in a few minutes. <laughs> what is the best hack of life to make this world a remarkable place to live? The best hack is hypnosis, right? It's just the best hack. <laughs> and, I, and really, I am loving it. I really want to try it. It looks like it's really good. Okay. Uh, so every Thursday on Instagram, we drop a question to raise awareness to our followers. We call it the Remarkable Q. Mm-hmm. And this is the question for this week. What makes you feel inspired or like it so much that it brings out the best in you? You know what makes me feel inspired is music. And the kind that makes you just want to dance. So I, and maybe you do too, like I'm, I'm sensing you probably get this too. Like you hear a beat yes. and there's just like <laughs> something just is like in you. It's like an innate calling to move your body. And I think dancing and moving your body and music is one of the most wonderful gifts that we have. And it's truly inspiring and it's free. You know? Totally agree. And what is your favorite kind of music? All kinds of things. Like I love like kind of like this kind of like African tribal kind of beats. I love that. Um, me, but too. I also, me too. Me too. Like, like, Sometimes like, people say, like, but why? <laughs> I mean, I that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's like the indigenous parts of our um, lineage. Yes, yes, yes. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now tell me, tell me something about your recent projects. What are you working? What are you doing right now? So right now, we're, I'm really working on uh, the traveling hypnotist, but I just developed a new weight loss program. Um, it's called the Naturally Thin Hypnosis Method. And so what I love about this specific program so much is that so many of us have been stress eating or emotionally eating, or as you mentioned earlier, like we feel things in our bodies, these sensations, and we just automatically assume it's hunger. And so this whole program is really designed to reacquaint you with your true hunger, to reacquaint you with your body's sensations um, so that we can stop overeating. And when we stop overeating, you'll naturally go to whatever size you are. Because I don't think it's like a size zero is better than a size six or a size 10 or whatever that is. But you have your own personal size, your personal best and whatever you feel good at. But we have learned to not listen to our bodies. We've learned to subscribe to diet culture, which tells us to starve ourselves, you know, certain hours of the day, it, you know, diet culture tells you to binge eat or because then you can just do a juice fast. Like we have gotten so out of alignment with our own innate cues that we had when we were babies, a baby wakes up, a baby's hungry, a baby eats. Even if you have a baby's bottle and it's, it's done eating, like 
it's done eating. It's not just going to keep drinking the milk just because it's there. But we tell ourselves like, oh, I've got to eat everything on my plate because it's there. And a lot of that is, you know, scarcity mentality that we've inherited from our family, our our lineage, our parents were told, told us that eat everything on your plate. They're starving guilty, children. Guilty, yeah, totally right? guilty. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then their parents told them. So we're just, we are keep passing down these like scarcity mindset uh, beliefs and it winds up not only in our money and our pockets and the way we deal with money. Cause you know, I do a lot of work on that too, but also on how we eat and we start, we start using our bodies as waste bins. Instead of putting that food into the refrigerator or throwing it away, we use our bodies as waste bins and we have to stop doing that shit. Our bodies are way too important mm. for us to do that to it. Wow. And how does it look a session, a session of this program? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. So it's over four sessions, uh, so four hours. And so we start we start in different places depending on what you are, who you are and what you're working through. But um, the first one is really to get you in tune with your hunger. That's the first session. And then the next one, maybe you have a specific um, food that you crave and you crave it when you're stressed out or you're bored. Um, some people said, like, I just put a little poll out the other day and someone said, Doritos is my thing that I always eat whenever I'm stressed out. And so we all have that thing that we go to, even though there's, there's something healthier in the refrigerator. And um, so we can actually create an aversion to specific foods. I love chocolate, but okay. <laughs> well, I may not, I may not do an aversion to chocolate if it's something you really like, but we can help you eat less of it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And, and I have a curiosity also. So do you think that all kind of women, all kind of men can be part of this program, even if they are suffering, you know, like mental illness or something like that? Or do you have any limitations? Yeah. So, I mean, there are some limitations. Um, this is not a good program for someone that's suffering from um, bulimia, like for those really um, people that have eating disorders that really need a doctor. Um, I can work with your doctor if that's something you're dealing with, but I don't want to um, take you through this program where you may eat less and um, you don't need to eat less. You know, like that's really more about your self image than it is about you not having real under an understanding of your cues. So I think that's another place to start, you know, with the work for someone like that. Um, If someone does have, is bipolar or they have depression, I would be working with your therapist in conjunction with this or with your doctor. Um, just because I think it's just better for, you know, anyone who's working with you on a day-to-day basis or on a weekly basis, especially as it relates to your mental health or as, um, your physical health should be a part of the process. Yeah. Well, totally agree with you. Right. And I suppose that when, when you start working with a person, you do like an scan because there are most of people that they can lie about their real situations. Right. 
Yeah, so I actually always require to do a consultation um, by phone with someone so I can get a sense of what they're doing. And I always ask about you know, specific medications and try to, try to get a sense of what's really going on with them. And then if things come up that are a little suspect, I'll ask for them to, um, for me to be connected with their doctor. I'll talk to their doctor and see if they have, um, you know, anything that I need to be aware of when working with them. Hmm. Yeah, I understand that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Mm -hmm. What are you most proud of in your life? What makes you remarkable? I am the most proud of. I am the most proud of being the little girl who um, was like such the ugly duckling. You know, I was like such the ugly duckling. I had buck teeth. I was so skinny. And, um, and to really allow myself to not stay in that space, that headspace of being that little girl for forever and to allow myself to, despite not feeling like I was attractive, to keep doing the things that I wanted to do, whether it was theater or becoming a cheerleader or moving into New York City. And I didn't let what other people thought of me stop me from pursuing my dreams. And so I think that is what makes me the most remarkable because a lot of people wouldn't do that for themselves. Wow, that is really inspiring. Yes, that's really inspiring. I guess that there are a lot of friends that they want to know more about you. So where can we find you? <laughs> um, I am on the travelinghypnotist.com. I'm at the Traveling Hypnotist on Facebook and, and on Instagram. And I do usually at least one live video on Facebook every week talking about a different topic. And, um, yeah. And so that's where you can find me. I'll be on Instagram pretty much every single day. Yes. It, it, there when we are going to find you, but what do you call the traveling hypnotist? Are you, do you travel? <laughs> well, so, yeah. So, you know, I used to work in, um, the travel industry and I used to open hotels. Now, before this whole COVID thing started to happen, I was really, I have actually already talked to hotels and spas about going there to have um, essentially a pop-up hypnosis kind of experience with their hotel guest. So my idea was that I was going to be traveling and doing this and COVID <laughs> happened. And so I'm now the stay at home hypnotist. <laughs> so we'll see. Hopefully this stuff works itself out because I'm ready to go travel. I would say that's the definitely a reroute for me right now. That's quite an anecdote for this year, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nicole, thank you. Thank you for coming today. We learned a lot with you, Chica Bonita, and there's no doubt that you are going to create amazing things. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you, friends. Well, See ya in the next episode. Bye. Muchas gracias por llegar al final de este inspirador episodio por el mes de la herencia latina. 
De todo corazón, espero que hayas disfrutado al máximo y aprendido sobre esta historia remarcable. ¿Quieres ayudarme a contagiar de esta tremenda energía a todo el mundo? Suscríbete al canal de Vive Remarkable para nuevos episodios cada semana en tu plataforma de podcast favorita que es totalmente gratis. Recuerda que también puedes compartir este episodio e inspirar a crear más conciencia. Encuéntranos en Facebook y en YouTube como Vive Remarkable y en Instagram como vive.remarkable. No te pierdas nuestros episodios en IGTV. Y recuerda que tú no naciste para encajar, naciste para ser remarkable. Hasta un próximo episodio.